three, three, two, two, one. one. It's time for the show. Action. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present, of everyday people. And now, here's your host, the one and only. Asher Chua. Good morning, everybody. Today we're interviewing Herman Williams. Herman is a fellow engineer that I worked with in construction. He's also a real estate investor. So the purpose of today's podcast is to talk about Herman's life, what his experiences have been so far, what he's enjoyed, what he's learned what he disliked or other things he'd like to share with us. Herman is also from Florida, so hopefully we'll hear something a little bit about that. I think he's spent a good bit of his time now in Georgia and South Carolina, so it'd be cool to see what the uh, cultural differences are, if any, and um, how he's navigated that. So thank you for tuning in. If you like what you see, reach out to me at um, the It's My Podcast, It's My Time Podcast, and we'll get you on the podcast if you're interested. I enjoy speaking with people and just meeting new people. And the whole reason why I started this podcast was in order to, was to tell people stories that I've met and just meeting people from different backgrounds, whether through college, through work, through um, personal development, through entrepreneurship, It's been a real pleasure just to be surrounded by other human beings and seeing that there's many layers to people out there. And what you see isn't always what you get. And once you get to know somebody, they will surprise you. Like they will surprise you. And I hope you guys get some value from this podcast and keep tuning in for new guests, some familiar guests, and just new stories and see where this journey takes us. Stay tuned in. You there? Yeah, can you see me? No, um, try it. Let me see. Oh, I see. Here it is. There you go. Okay. Live and direct. Live in the flesh, man. Yeah. How you doing today? I'm good, bro, too. Doing great. You off work today? Crazy story, man. I actually, last day was my last, yesterday was my last day at the site. Oh, wow. Gotcha. I mean, I got a, I'm going to be, I quit. You got tired of it? Yeah, I have been tired of that place, man. <laughs> Got you. Yeah, yeah I, I feel you. I definitely, uh, I didn't want to admit it for the longest time, but I kind of forced myself out back in June. And yeah. I've, been, I've been better since, just kind of stress-free, get back on my feet. And I think um, it's just good to know that people are out there that, that care to have your skills. And, like, you're not necessarily just being looked over or passed over. Yeah, like, uh, there was no more room for me to grow. Right, you know, right. Um, the hours are crazy. We're working like 16, sometimes 17. 16? 16s? 16s. Oh, six tens. Okay. Yeah, six days a week, 10 hours. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. I, yeah, I remember that. I was on night sometime. It was just, yeah, man, just. It's a lot. Yeah, it was time to go. Gotcha. All right. So uh, I just wanted to start start off like this. Just um, tell me, who are you or who do you say you are? Like my name? Uh, all the above. Uh, my name is Herman Williams. Um, 
I like to classify myself as a real estate investor. Okay. Um, I have a degree in civil engineering from the University of South Florida. Uh, that's like, I think that pretty much sums it up. Got you. Okay. That's cool. So did you grow up in Florida or did you just go to school there? No, I was born and raised in St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay, cool. So then South Florida or University of South Florida is not too far from there? No, it's like probably 35 minutes from the house. Oh, nice. Uh, um, crazy story. I ended up, I played football. I had a football scholarship to a school in South Carolina. Okay. Um, I went there my freshman year. Mm-hmm. I hated it. I got homesick and I transferred back. Um, and then USF was the first school to like accept me throughout mm-hmm. the process. And I ended up going there. Gotcha. Did you... I guess, what was it that you didn't like about it? Like, location or, like... No, the location wasn't bad. It just, the school itself was super unorganized. Mm -hmm. And that was the main thing I had issues with. It was super, super unorganized. (laughs) Right. That that can definitely drive you mad, where it's like, you you seem like a pretty structured guy from the little bit that we've met and talked. Like, you've got your stuff together where you're like, this is how I want things to go in my life. Yeah. Especially like, I didn't even know you were a real estate investor until I ran into you at that meeting randomly last year. And it was like, Oh, Hey, what's up? What are you doing here? Yeah. That was on purpose. Uh, I don't, I like to keep, uh, well, some people at work know that I invest, but those certain people that I I trusted on a personal level. Um, Gotcha. I I keep like a lot of guys, honestly, they just, they just think I quit. Right. Nothing to do. But, um yeah i didn't i didn't trust a lot of those guys that worked right right share that information with them right it's, it always seems like especially in in our environment kind of in construction a lot of people they're always in your business or they just they just like to know everything that's going on yeah and like it's a lot of um it's almost like a high school at times it's like oh, yeah yeah they, they talk about this this person messing with this person is like right i'm not here for all that man right and it, it's my bad. I was just gonna say it's weird because it's like if the guys aren't doing it, either like engineers are doing it, managers are doing it, the laborers are doing it, yeah. the construction workers, the welders, like everybody. Yeah. And it's just like this. I don't know if cesspool is the right word, but it's it's just like messy. It's grimy where it's super, like yeah. super messy. People, man. Yeah, that was another reason. It was just super. I like, don't even want to know some good people there. Yeah, um, definitely. I am going to miss some of the people that I was working with, but mm-hmm. it was super, super messy. And I, I don't know if you noticed, like, did you know where my office was? My office is literally, like, the furthest away from everybody. Like, I, you can still reach me, but, like, it was a yeah. point. Okay, I don't want to be a part. Gotcha. That mess. Y'all right, not going to right. Plus, you know, it ain't. Now, I feel bad. Maurice is the only black engineer now, you know? Yeah. So, you know, when you left, it was like, dang, it's only two of us now. Right, right. But I mean, e- even with that, it's like, I think I talk with Maurice and like, I would talk with him from time to time because like, you, you try not to pay attention to stuff because some people may like, are quick to always yell foul or racism or this or that. But I'm just like, I'm sure it is, but I'm not going to focus on that because there's so many things out here that like, if you take one wrong step while you're working, you could die. Like you've had yeah. so many people get injured, like at work, people getting injured on the way to work. And just like too many people are focused on foolishness. But one thing I talked with him about, and I won't go too much into detail about it, but there's like 
one or two instances where like somebody confused me for him and i was like i'm just gonna let that go whatever it's like we're completely different height stature things like that but it's like okay from a distance they see the hard hat they see the color you are it's like whatever but i was just like okay like one i don't want to be blamed for anything that you're doing but two i don't appreciate when people talk poorly about you and i'm sitting there looking stupid and it's like they'll clown on you this that and the other and it's like it's it's a bad reflection on you and it's a bad reflection on us as a whole like our company our group whatever but it's like it's just like that that thing and sometimes people say like you don't want to speak too much all the time because at times it may feel like you're speaking in vain mm-hmm. or somebody may hear you but they may not really be listening but it's like okay you say your piece and then you gotta go and i probably should have taken some time away in like 2017 going into 2018 but i try to be mr tough guy okay i'm gonna shoulder this weight i'm here i'm there it's like at times you kind of feel like, or I felt like I wasn't really valued because everybody outside our company was like, oh yeah, you guys, you're doing amazing work, this, that, and the other. Yeah, uh, my bad. No, you're good. Uh, I get emails all the time now about properties. You got muted or? Yeah. <laughs> you got to keep, keep, keep the business going. That's what's up. It's like paycheck in the background. So, um, yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. I, I had issues. I had some times where I thought about it was. I mean, I was around it all the time. Like I come to work, and I'm literally the only black like engineer supervisor there. And, yeah. Um. Sometimes the crew kind of remind you things about it, mm-hmm. and I knew I had to carry myself, unfortunately, in a certain way. But like, right. they don't get a, a stigma of me. Like I won't be disrespected, but sometimes, right, right. I feel like you said, I just let it slide because you right. right. I mean, there's times where I've almost, you know, stepped the wrong way or I've been climbing ladders and like slipped mm-hmm. and like had to hold on real quick. And it's just like right. a very dangerous sight. That, that, um, yeah. And I mean, but, that that's the nature of construction, not not to like put anybody at like, oh, my God, what are they doing out there? But it's like construction yeah. is a dangerous work. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it may not be the same as people going to war, but in a way, it's kind of like every day you're putting your life on the line as to like safety is a big thing that's preached. To where you have to make sure you get home the same way you came in right. and if you're worried about what so-and-so is saying about you or how so-and-so is looking at you it's like that's not going to help you out that's another burden on your head right but i guess not not to linger on this too much um i was really curious to know how did you like what, what was co- your college experience like going to school getting an engineering degree or i know you mentioned that you got a scholarship to play football and then you transferred so when you transferred to University of South Florida, did you play football again? No. So um, like it's this thing where when you transfer, your your coaches at this one school have to like bless it and release you mm. to be able to play. So by the time I got there, I was just I was already so frustrated. Yeah. Like that was a rough time period from just in the high school to that time. Mm-hmm. And the time I got there, I just was like, man, I'm just tired of fighting it. I just stopped playing. Right. Uh, so I ended up just, you know, becoming a student. I mean, I was already a student, but I ended up just, just going to school. Right, right. Um, but it may have worked out for the better because engineering school was tough. Like, mm. it was a daily grind. Um, failed a lot of tests, a lot of heartbreaks, a lot of mm. long day studying just to go for the tests. Right. Um, but, you know, I have to, you know, I think engineering school, it teaches you to be able to to think and to be able to bounce back. Right. A lot of engineering professors, they literally were trying to make you fail. Like, they're t- <laughs> they test, like they were excited. Right. And 
the average was a 50. You know, like they're like, I did good. I did yeah, good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pat good. myself on the back. Yeah. So um I met a lot of good people in engineering school. Um mm-hmm. I made some good friends. I had like this certain group that uh to this day I think oh, you froze up for a sec. You got me? Yeah, yeah, you're back. You said to this you made some really good friends in college and mm-hmm. to this day you still cool with them? Yeah, to this day. I mean they like they're all living their lives now, they're married and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um like it was a certain group of friends that I got in with them and then every time I just froze again. It might be me. Is it me? Okay, you're you're back now. Okay. Okay, hopefully it wasn't me. No, you well, we'll just keep we'll just keep rolling with it. Uh it might be it just froze again and we're back. Um I was saying I had a group of friends and they helped me out a lot. Yeah. Uh, they they were like mothers to me basically as far as engineering. Like mm. whenever they had a study group, they came, they they fed me, they were like for some reason they just latched on to me and like kinda helped me get through that. Right. I also I played Alpha Phi Alpha, mm-hmm. uh, and that was a big help. Well, not the semester I did it. That semester I did it was pretty rough, but mm-hmm. after that, because um, I I miss being a part of like a, like a brotherhood. When you when you play a sport or something like yeah, best part is just the camaraderie that you have with mm-hmm. team. So I miss being part of that, and that, that's what led me to end up pledging Alpha Phi Alpha. Mm-hmm. Uh, that helped me. That's helped me in my travels. Like uh, when I once I graduated, were you, were you part of the CTP program? Yeah, yeah, I did that. So, um, so I was like, "What is this supposed to be a structure?" Because I know I'm kind of, I'm kind of rambling on. Is this no, some- no. You're this. I mean, this is it. We're just talking about you, and, and I mean, there okay. isn't, there isn't too much structure to it. It's like I'll just keep throwing questions your way, and we just mm-hmm. keep the conversation flowing. So it's just wherever the story goes, wherever the conversation goes, we go there. Okay. Well, no, no stress. So should I explain what the CTP program is? Yeah, yeah. If you would. So. At the company we we were working for, um, CBNI, they had this rotational program where you hire in, but they rotate you to all the different parts, um, not all, but a good different parts of the company, so right. you can like rail around it. So my first um, my first assignment was in Plainfield, which is right outside Chicago, mm-hmm. and I'm from Florida, right? So <laughs> for that time, I, probably, I had never seen snow in my life, <laughs> never seen snow. Right. I moved in the middle of winter, so. Oof. Yeah, it was a good, it was a culture shock. Um, I was doing cryogenic tank design and that was my first, like, uh, I had internships, but that was my first, like, I have a job and I'm making, like, good money and Mm. I'm literally just, like, like, college is like a, its own little bubble, right? Right, right. You're broke in college and it's your own little bubble, but your own campus, you kind of have structure. Mm-hmm. As far as me being out there, it was just like, that was the first time I was just like out there on my own. Um, in the real world. In the real, yeah, I guess the way that's what I'm looking for, the gotcha. real world. And I learned a lot there. Um, mm-hmm. I actually, I met friends there. I met someone like, I got friends I consider family now I met there. Mm-hmm. And being a part of Alpha Phi Alpha helped because I would go to different campuses up there, different schools. Okay. You know, talk to the brothers and like, they would, they would look out, you know, whatever, parties, cookouts, events. Yeah went on i got i made a lot of friends that way so i lived there for like six months i think then i moved to lake charles louisiana <laughs> yeah yeah i was there too which is a complete different culture shock <laughs> you know illinois right it's right. like louisiana i love louisiana louisiana is like it's whole it's a whole nother world mm-hmm. in it you know, as far as like the way they do things down there so gotcha. i was at i was at the fab shop okay 
or the pipe shop, whatever you want to call it, for about, I think, like, another six months. Okay. I was doing corrective actions. We were, like, basically detectives. Is um, that, you were you were there right when they were doing, like, they were still doing fabrication for the nuclear project? Yeah, we, I moved there, we had just bought, we bought, not we, but CV9 bought Shaw in, right. like, Right, right. And that shop came along with it. And I moved there in, like, August. Mm. That's when I went to that site. So this is what, August 2013? 2013, yeah. okay. Right. 2013. So then I came in the year after you, 2014. Okay. So I was there. That was pretty cool. Mm. Um, I, you see, the Lake Charles is not big, so it wasn't a lot to do. So <laughs> the good thing is, it's only two hours from Houston. So Right, right. I would just, like, I would get off work Friday afternoon, and I wouldn't even go home. I would just... Jet over. To, yeah. Houston for the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. Hang out there. I had some frat brothers. Um, I actually had a cousin who was going to school there mm-hmm. I, uh, at Texas Southern. I think that's the school. Yeah. Um, so I was in Lake Charles, working in Lake Charles for probably like six months. Mm-hmm. Um, then my next assignment was Houston. So I moved to Houston when uh, that was uh, January. And I was mad because another time, I'm, I'm a big Florida State fan. Um, mm-hmm. USF is my alma mater. I support them. But growing up, I'm a yeah. Florida State fan because my dad's side of the family is from Tallahassee, Florida, in that area. Okay. So growing up, we used to go there all the time, go to the games. And that's the year they won the national championship. And I was mm. planning to go to the game because it was in California. Right. But I had, they told me to move, like, right, I think, like, the week of or something like that. Ah, man. Yeah. So I ended up watching that game in Wild Wings. Um, I was in Houston doing foundation design. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was That was pretty cool. I honestly wouldn't mind living in Houston again. I think yeah. all the cities I live, I live in, I like Houston the most. You know, the traffic is pretty bad. But oh, yeah, yeah. What I saw in Houston was, like, a lot of black professionals were thriving. It was, mm-hmm. like, a lot of, like, I don't know, I just love to see my people doing good. And in Houston, it was, it was huge. Right. Um, after Houston, I went to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And that was a refinery. It's a... They do this every. They do it twice a year. They call it a turnaround or a shutdown. Where right, right, they where they meat. they shut down the site to go in and do yeah. repairs. So they shut down entire units. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I first got there, I worked one, but I was just like helping along. So I moved there. I think then like April. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of helping, but the whole time I'm planning for mine. Mine started in September. So like I'm ordering material. I'm walking down stuff. I remember I had two heaters. Like they were like two hundred, uh, two hundred feet tall. So I had to climb those like a lot. And I'd be way up in the air taking measurements. Um, I had to replace vessels. I had to go inside the vessels. It was. I think I got the most. That was the first time I was on a, like a construction site. Construction site. Um, I had the most responsibility. If that job, I said, if that job was down south, I would have stayed. But I just, I hated living in Minnesota. It just. Minnesota just was not for me. Is it the um, cold or? It was the cold. And if I can be honest, it just, I didn't see enough of my people. You know, mm. like, I, I just didn't feel like You home. didn't feel right. Okay. You know, okay. Like I, didn't, I didn't have any family that far north. Mm. And I just didn't see a lot of, like, my people. Right. You know, I would go to work, come home. I would go to work, come home. I wouldn't. Later on, yeah. I got hooked up with some of the uh, frat brothers at University of Minnesota. And they were okay. pretty, I was kind of like, Dang, like we are here, like you know, yeah, like, yeah. Like my, you know, it's good to see y'all. But that was the, towards the end. Um, after that, I moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Mm. That was uh. So this is your fifth rotation because you did Illinois first, Plainfield, Lake Charles, 
Houston, Minnesota, mm-hmm. and now you're in Baton Rouge? I'm in Baton Rouge. Gotcha. Okay. So Baton Rouge, I was doing project engineering. Mm-hmm. At first, I, I didn't even understand what a project engineer did. I just It just didn't make sense to me. Right. But we had two LNG sites. We had one in, in Hackenberry. Yeah. Louisiana, yeah, um, and then we had one in Houston, right? Okay. It, was, it was in Ingleside, Texas. Yeah, and what they were doing was usually uh, the country was importing um, natural gas. Mm-hmm. So natural. LNG is liquid nat- natural yeah. gas. Okay, liquid okay, natural. gotcha. And these two oh, liquid, na- <laughs> love that because I told somebody yesterday it was liquid nitrogen gas. No, it's, it's, it's liquid natural gas. That, yeah. That's why he was looking at me like. Wait, they're using nitrogen? Yes. Like, what, no, what's going on? Nitrogen. I was like, I'm, I probably told you wrong. Yeah. So basically what they do is, they like, we found so many gas, um, natural gas mines, mm-hmm. American now, and they, to get it to liquefy for them, they have to freeze it to, like, negative 200 degrees Celsius or some some crazy number like that. Okay. I figured that out when I was working in cryogenic tanks in yeah. the plane field. Okay. And that helped for when, the now these terminals that usually import the natural gas, okay, they're like, all right, we got enough. We can start exporting, mm-hmm. selling it, um, you know, bring more money in. Right. So there, I was honestly, as a project engineer for there, it's kind of like I was a babysitter, right? So like there's, <laughs> there's all your different disciplines. There's like civil, electrical, mechanical, piping, mm-hmm. and they all got issues, right? Yeah. Piping got to wait on, or civil got to wait on piping to give them loads for miscellaneous supports, which are like, like there's pipe racks, Sometimes the pipe racks can't sag below mm-hmm. you know, a quarter inch. Mm-hmm. So we got to figure out, okay, we got to put a support there to hold it up, especially when the load's on it. Um, electrical, then get the numbers from mechanical for how much heat this is going to be. So mm-hmm. that was more, um, that was interesting. That was a pretty cool job. I did not like my immediate manager. He was very annoying. Mm-hmm. He would um, he would tell you to do something and then go do it and then get mad at you. <laughs> So it was like, what is the point of, of even? It's like, why are you telling me about it? If you're just gonna yeah. go do it. Yeah, um, I met a lot of good people there, hmm. and uh, I was there. Baton Rouge is cool because Baton Rouge is only an hour from New Orleans, so yeah, yeah. We could be there. I would go shoot out to New Orleans and, and hang out. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was there for about six months, I think, and then that's when I got the assignment. Um, to Vogel. Okay. I told her, I, the company, when I first came on, the company was like, yeah, we, we would like to see you overseas, which I was fine with because I, mm-hmm. I was young at the time. I was like 23 or 24. Yeah. You know, and like, I, I wasn't like tied down and I, I was I was willing to go over to overseas for a couple of years and just you know, do that. Right, right. Um, my issue with the program was I had a, I had a mentor, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like, he wasn't really set up to be a mentor. I think they just mm-hmm. sent him an email. He was like, it was like, hey, you want to be a mentor? He was like, uh, okay. Like, yeah. just signed up. Right, right. He was actually in my Plainfield office, and I went and met him, and it was mm-hmm. just like a weird, uh, a weird uh, vibe. He wasn't a bad guy. It just Yeah, like he, he wasn't just, personable? Yeah, he wasn't personable. He wasn't set up to be a mentor. Gotcha. Um, he was supposed to, he was the one who was supposed to guide my, my rotations. And right, I right. To. Because that, that's that's part of the purpose to have in the CBNI training program, CTP program, you're the trainee and you get set up with a mentor yeah. in order for them to tell you like, hey, what do you want to do? And yeah. then they can kind of like um, 
counsel you and say, hey, okay, that sounds good. Have you considered this? And then you kind of marry those options and then you can exactly. move forward. But exactly. yeah. Really, it was on me to figure out everything, mm-hmm. right? It was, it was on me to figure out my next position or my next uh, moving and rotation. Um, mm-hmm. We had a, the, it's crazy because when I first hired in, we had a lady who ran it. And she was spot on. She was on mm. point. Like she was never late. She called and talked to me, da da da. And she right. ended up leaving something. They brought on another lady. Um, I don't know if I can say her name. No, but let's just leave yeah, that. I, I, I know that's who I ended up with, and there were a lot of complaints yeah. there. She was terrible, right? Yeah. It was when, and there's nothing against her being foreign. It's like her, her English yeah. wasn't. So when you when I was talking to her, it was just like, don't think she's quite grasping everything I'm trying to get across. Right. It's the, the kind of the language barrier. Um, I have nothing against, you know, right, right. anything with her and that nature. It just, she wasn't the best. And I, she had never done anything like that before. And right. She um, it's similar to what you're saying about the mentor, where it's like, yeah. it's someone in, put in that position or someone that took the position, but it may be like their first go around at it where they're not a season so they can't really like she's yeah. not really hearing you and not able to like put you yeah. where you, you need to be like i think somebody in her position would have, to me i would want them to have a background in human resources right mm-hmm. and being able to shift and adjust people and understand their problems as the job goes right right she, I, she wasn't ever in human resources and she i can clearly tell because mm-hmm. i would tell her what i wanted to do i would tell her things i was looking for and she just, yeah, I felt like she just didn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't, like, honestly, Vogel wasn't my choice. Yeah, there yeah. Was a, <laughs> my it wasn't my, I'll be honest, it wasn't my no, choice. No, no, I'm just laughing because I'm just like you and me both. <laughs> yeah, but it was, because it was, at that time, we had a couple overseas projects that were still going. Yeah. And like, whatever I need to do, get me on those. Right, right. You no, know, she's like, well, it's either you stay at this place you're at now, Mm-hmm. or your you can go to Vogel. She sent me right. an email. Um, and I was looking at it, and, and, and the way I looked at it was, um, my mama is actually from Waynesboro, which is, okay. um, so I have a bunch of family in Waynesboro and Augusta. Mm-hmm. And in, you know, two, three years, I haven't really been close to home. I had been, you know, traveling back and forth to Florida, but right, right. the closest, I was like, all right, I'll go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Vogel was my sixth rotation. Okay. That's where I, you know, graduated the program. Okay. Um, and I ain't gonna lie, the first the first year or two there, the year and a half, like it was good. We were working four tens. Mm-hmm. May come in on a Friday if we get a shipment of panels or something. Mm-hmm. That's a half a day giving you out. I was right. running a lot. I was I was getting a lot of new tasks. I was you know, and just when that when that first scare came of when they were gonna shut the site down, mm-hmm. it was like all right, we just gotta double down on the schedule. We just gonna work them like crazy. And then that's when it started. It went to, okay, every other Friday. Then it went to everybody working five tens. Mm-hmm. Then it slept, it crept up to six tens. Then it worked, okay, on Sundays. Then we oh, we want people on night shift. They yeah. slowly increased the, the amount of time people are on site. So is this 2015 we're talking or 2014? This is, this is late 2015. Okay. Until, late 2015, I started shift. Um, okay, so I guess we basically got on site about the same time because I got there September 2015. I got, I got to site May of 2015. Okay, that's when I that's when I first reported to the site May of 2015. Cool, cool. Um, and around 2015, 2015 was a pretty good year. I mm-hmm. worked a lot, understood, I knew a lot, 
2016 wasn't that bad. Then it just start like getting worse and worse. Um, and that's where we at now. Gotcha. Oh, I give you an example. So mm-hmm. kind of random. When I first moved to um, Chicago, I had roommates. Um, they're actually not no longer with the company either. They were also part of the CTP program. One of them was a Clemson graduate. Not sure how he got linked up with his mentor, but his mentor ended up getting him on a project down in Chile. So after Plainfield, we were all in the same office. He went down there and worked there for like two, three years. Um, which I'm not, I'm not jealous. I'm happy for him. You know, right, like, right. Get it how you live. But that's something. Yeah, I think that's the difference of how if you get a, a mentor that takes. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like takes ownership of their position. Ownership, yeah, takes ownership of what he's doing in your future. Right. You can end up doing something like that. Yeah. As opposed to me, where I think I still had a good path, but a lot mm-hmm. of it, um, I did I had to do it on my own. Right, right. All while I think about all while moving, like trying to break leases. Right. Packing up your stuff. Uh, <laughs> going and to so that's, that's like a whole nother thing. I mean, even we can even like elaborate on this point right here because I guess what we probably didn't mention with this training program is that essentially you go from working like the purpose is like for roughly two year period, you're supposed to work for six months at one place, six months at another place, like on six months rotation so that you hit at least four separate fields of the company so that you get a sense of what the company is about and what you want to like, where you want to fit in with the company. And most of the time, if you try and um, (laughs) if you try to sign a lease somewhere, most people want you there for a year. But if you're asking them, Hey, I need a six month lease. They're like, what? It's like, Hey, I got money. But they're like, I don't care. You got money. Like I need somebody here. And now I'm pretty sure like being a real estate investor, you can kind of see like where, like where that position is, where you want to have tenants there fill the time slot to where you're not having to like, like juggle that yeah. so much. Um, I had, uh, luckily I was able to finesse my way out of all my leases. And honestly, the, the company ended up paying all of them. Honestly, when I, I was able to set it up, and from when I when I left Houston, I had to sign it. When I moved to Houston, I had to mm-hmm. sign like, the, the the lowest they would do was like nine months, I think. Yeah. So I signed this nine month lease because when the the apartment company was literally five minutes from now. Um. So when it's time for me to leave, because they told me, okay, you'll be there for six months. Yeah. But like three and a half months later, it was like, oh well, they need you here, so you're going to this place. You're going to Minnesota. <laughs> It was like, yeah, at least. So I go in there and I go to the office and I don't know if it was just a, this lady was just tired of the place or she was on the way out. But yeah, I told her my situation and she was like, all right, all you got to do is just pay, just pay two months. Um, When you leave, just pay two months mm-hmm. and we'll call it even. To break like, your lease? Yeah, to break gotcha. my lease. Okay. It turns out like I was supposed to owe at least like a couple grand, mm-hmm. but I, I was like, I need that on paper. So me and her talked about it. She right. went on and find it. So the damn, the actual day I'm like turning my keys in mm-hmm. to like leave, it's a whole different like regime in there. And I go to this lady and I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm turning my keys in. She was like, yeah. what? She was like, There's nobody leaving today. I was like, well, I'm leaving. <laughs> but she's looking at the lease and she's like, well, you owe this month. You owe like $3,500. I was like, no. I talked to... I can't remember her name. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look in there, your paperwork says, this is how right. much I, I've already paid it. And uh, she was like, no, no, no. I was like, well, look, lady, here are the keys. Mm-hmm. 
And then she looked over again. She was like, I can't believe this happened. And I'm like, that's yeah. not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to go to Minnesota. So right. You figure it out. Yeah. So um, I got lucky like that a lot of times. And this is kind of, I ended up learning about better how to use credit cards because mm-hmm. in college I had credit cards and I had ran them up and like ruined my mm-hmm. credit. But what I was doing was I was paying all of the moving expenses on my mm-hmm. credit Right. Okay. So when I turned in the expense report, the company was paying paying me back for all my expenses. The mm-hmm. gas, the food, the breaking of the leases, everything I could put on a credit card, I just put it on there. Right. And this credit card was giving me points. So it was like mm-hmm. I think this Capital One it was two points for every dollar. Yeah. But so yeah, so the, the, the whole time span I racked up like a crazy amount of points. Mm. And it's all just for me kind of like I started started researching um like getting your credit up, how to build your credit up. Cause yeah, I just when I first started, I didn't plan on real estate. I just knew that in my yeah. head. I was like credit, people always talking about credit. So I know mine is very now. Let me build it up mm. and then whatever happens with it, I may you know it's gonna come a time where I feel I need to use it. What what made yeah. you what made you think of that like you, like you were aware that your credit was bad and you're like, I need to get it better. I'm not just going to like let it. So when I first got my job, it's honestly probably with my dad, um, my, my parents. And because uh, he ended up getting like a, one of my credit card bills and he saw mm-hmm. that behind. So he, he had put like a payment on it mm-hmm. and he had changed it to one of his PO boxes. Mm-hmm. And he was like, look, and he told me, he was like, I ain't going to tell your mama, but like you need to kind of get this in order. He's like, you, you're working now. You can pay this all off. So. Mm. That that started it, and then once I once I researched, I started um, researching. I have this thing where like I think maybe it's because I'm an engineer, but once I yeah. like on the phone, like I will I will research it like right. down to the T. I would just go down a rabbit hole mm. and just uh, soak information up about it. Yeah. So he him making that because it was like he's my dad. I have a I have a good paying job now. My mm-hmm. parents did not have to do stuff like this right for me at this point in time in life. So once I paid it off and then I started um, discovered it, this thing where they showed you your credit score. Because before right. I knew mine was bad, I was just too scared to look at it. Mm. And, and, yeah, I was just like, ah, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't even want to know. Just, yeah, just keep it on there. So I looked on the app and then they, they had suggestions there and they showed me why it was bad. So mm. then I took that and started researching it. And then I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay it off first, get it back right. And then I'm gonna start using it. Okay. Cause one of the tips I've seen people saying was they use their credit cards for any expense that they can mm-hmm. for like as bill wise. So like you're gonna have to pay your light bill every month. You're gonna have to pay your water bill every month. Yeah. Pay your phone bill every month. These are re- reoccurring bills. Not not like, oh, I just wanna go buy a new new shoe or something. It's more right. like these are bills that are gonna you're gonna have to pay regardless. Right, right. So I started doing that. And then I noticed my credit card, it just slowly started creeping up once I started getting reoccurring stuff. And then... what? Wait, what started creeping up? My credit score. Okay. You're, okay. Once I, you're, once I paid it, once I paid them off, once I got mm-hmm. them all back down to zero, and then once I started using the credit card more... Right. Using you know, it right. Using it right. My credit score slowly started going up. And then right. what I know, like, Discover would be like, hey, we just increased your balance, mm-hmm. your, your limit by this much. Yeah. I need even it sometimes. And they would right. increase. So... It's almost, it got to a point where it was like addictive because like I was, I did that and I, then I, to double on that, I started using it for trips mm. when, when I was, when I was moving to places or when I had company expenses, yeah. I used my own credit card because I feel like the company credit card, like I don't get the points. I don't right. get the benefit um, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I mean, like you said, if, if they're allowing you to use your own, why not? It's why not? That's just you being smart and using your knowledge, like using yeah. what you know to, to your advantage. So I think when I graduated college, my credit score was like 540. It was, it was terrible. It was like 540 or something like that. Hmm. And I got it up in the 700s um, over the next couple of years, just, nice. uh, just, doing, just doing that process, like paying off, paying my bills on it, but make sure I pay it off on time, mm-hmm. putting, then, then the, they see you do major lump sums on it and then they see you pay it off. Like that's oh, how yeah. they see, and like, oh yeah, let's go ahead and increase this limit. Mm-hmm. And little did I know that that would help me for when real estate came along. Like I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't, that wasn't a vision when I started doing my credit scores. Like right. the whole thing, the whole reason I did it was just because, I, all right, this sounds like a good thing to do. Like, yeah. Do You're just um, trying to get out of the hole. Yeah. And once I get out of the hole, it's like, I'm just going to keep up with it and then keep it at a, at a good rate. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so how did the real estate thing start? Like, how'd you get into that, that area? So, um, one of my frat brothers, he was doing real estate. I actually have mm-hmm. a couple of frat brothers in real estate. But you know some, you know some of you are close to it and others, and he was like, "Hey man, you need to read this book." He said, "Read this book, and then then we'll talk." So the book is "Rich Dad Poor Dad." <laughs> That's like the, the yep. holy grail to investors. real estate. Yeah. That's what like I read this book and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like yeah, it just slapped me in the face. Like wow. So um, we we go back and talking, and he was like, "Did you read?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like. What do you think? I was like, this is this is it's almost too good to be true. Mm-hmm. This whole this whole world is out there that mm-hmm. I just didn't know existed. Right. I mean, I didn't I truly didn't understand how money works. Because before that book, I was okay with being an, an employee for thirty years for a mm-hmm. company and just retiring. Right. That's what my parents did. That's what my uncles did. That's what my cousins did. Like, yeah, they, they get on with the company and they ride it out for thirty years and they retire. Mm-hmm. I was okay with that, and I was in my head. I was like, I'm just gonna be with CBNI forever. Right. By nature, you didn't know any different, and I mean, it's like, yeah. well, it's working for everybody else, or at least you think it's working for everybody else. Right. So. Then um, he, are you, he told me about this thing called wholesaling. Mm. Are you familiar with that? I've heard of it. I, I definitely need to connect with you offline because it's like I've, I've heard of it. And at the time when I heard about it, I was like, I want to do it, but I don't think I have like the time or the capacity to, to be able to navigate that with work, especially as intense as it was out there where it's right. like you're just constantly every day. And I'm like, I want to do that, but I can't seem to like organize myself well enough. So... He told me about the the wholesaling aspects of things, and then he showed me a check mm-hmm. that he got from wholesaling, and he told me what he did. And I was like, I was like, tell me that again. He literally did maybe two three hours worth of work. Can you can you explain what wholesaling is briefly? So basically, let's just say you have an auntie that passed away, and you get the house through probate. Mm-hmm. Basically, probate is when you know somebody passes away, their physical stuff here has to go to somebody. Okay. But you have the house. Now, the house is in your name. Right. The house is kind of beat up. It's outdated. Mm-hmm. You don't want the house. Right. You don't. You just don't want the house. Mm-hmm. I get in contact with you, and let's just say all right, I offer you a certain amount of money for the house. I say, all right, I'll pay you $20,000 for this house. Mm-hmm. And we haggle whatever. We ended up agreeing on $25,000. Mm-hmm. So we signed a contract saying, I will pay you 25000 for you to give me the deed and title to this house. Okay. Now, how I get you that twenty five thousand is of no consequence to you, right? Because also in the contract it says that I can assign this contract. Mm-hmm. So now that I have this contract, now that I have this house under contract, 
mm-hmm. I can go to somebody else who buys houses in the area mm-hmm. and flip them, stuff like that, and tell them, hey, I will sell you, basically, I will sell you this contract to the house yeah. for 35000 Okay. Right? Yeah. So he's like, okay, I'll buy the house for 35000 I buy the contract. So at the closing, the, you, you as the, the original probate owner, you get 25000 I get the difference, which is 10000 and the person gets the house. So we all go our several ways. And then you just wash, rinse, repeat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so so I guess how how did you take that when you first heard it? It's like... Too good to be true. Right, right. Way too good to be true. But he showed me a check on what he did. So I was like, okay, let me let me try. Um, mm-hmm. I went. I started going to some real estate seminars. Um, I did some of those. I, I put money in those. Um, mm-hmm. going back looking at it, I probably wouldn't have, shouldn't have put money into it, but I, I look at life as, life as like it's only lessons, you know what I'm saying? I don't take losses. So right. that me putting that money up, it kind of pushed me further into the real estate game because I didn't learn a lot from them, mm-hmm. but I ended up going to real estate meetings and meeting more people. That, you know what I'm saying? They all trickle down from that. Right. Um, so then I meet this one lady who, this is my first deal. The first deal I did, I meet a lady who, she has a house on the contract. She's also a real estate investor, mm-hmm. but she doesn't know the area of Augusta too well. And okay. couldn't, she could basically, she couldn't get the contract off. Okay. Right. So me, I've been going to these meetings and I've been, you know, meeting people, getting their numbers. And right. she was like, well, look, if you can find me a buyer, I will split whatever the proceeds are. Mm. Yeah, okay. So she sends a, it's called a joint venture. We, and her, we signed a joint venture between each other. Right. Go to the house. I look at it. I take pictures. Um, that was that was like Thursday, right? So mm-hmm. um, I went to a, that was Thursday day. That Thursday evening, I went to a real estate meeting. Met a couple guys, and it's cool to see progression because some of these guys I met back then are still doing it now, and they they're, mm-hmm. they're kind of too. And <clears throat> it was like, yeah, you look for houses. If you if you got some, let me know. Da, da, da. Right. So they. Um, that was Thursday. Saturday morning, I called one of the guys and I was like, hey, I got a house on the contract. I think you might like. So I sent him the pictures. And he's like, it looks like a good house, but I just got, I just put my money to another one. So I can't buy this now. He was like, but you can look at these two guys. Here's some couple other numbers of guys that I know are, buy, are looking to buy right now. And you, I think, you know, it may work out for you. So I was like, okay. I called the one guy, um, voicemail. Called another one. I was like, hey, I got a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Call back when you get a chance. So he calls me probably like 30 minutes later. He was like, yeah, you told me you got a house? And I was like, yeah. So um, I sent him the pictures through Google mm-hmm. Drive. He was like, all right, I'm interested. This was Saturday. He was like, when can yeah. I see? I said, all right, I'm going to set up a meeting on Tuesday to see the house. No, I said, we can go see it Monday. We're going to see it this Monday. Okay. So we go see it Monday. Um, he comes up and he was like, oh, yeah, because he didn't remember me from the meeting, but he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, sounds amazing. Right? So, right. Meet, think how you doing. We walk through the house, and the other ladies that who had who originally has it on the contract, she's there. Mm-hmm. We're walking through, and he's walking. He was like, "Okay, I want it." So he was like, "The price was I think we had the list. We, the price was like forty five. Okay, he was like, the original price between that the lady has. Yeah, the original price was forty five. So he was okay. like, he's like, you said forty five, right? He's like, yeah. He said, and then he was like, you can't do forty two. I was like, at this point in time, I was. Thirsty, so I was like, but I had to stop myself. I was like, no, nah, forty-five. He's like, okay, I'm not haggle. He's like, forty-five. I shook my hand. He's like, he's like, if I shake my hand now, like that means I want the house, so nobody else can come see it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was Monday, mm-hmm. Friday of that week. 
had a check in my business account for five thousand dollars. Nice. That that was my cut after. Right. She got hers. The person who owned the house got theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, that was crazy. Okay. Yeah, okay. So I, I think I might have missed something. So it's like the price that you and the lady you signed a joint venture together that you were going to sell the house for forty five. So so she has so the lady has the contract. She has the house on a contract for thirty five thousand. Okay. Okay. That's what I missed. So. Yeah. <clears throat> She wants to sell it for forty five thousand. Okay. But what she's saying is, if if I bring a buyer in, mm-hmm. we split that ten thousand. So right. Okay. Buy, I got you. Okay. You buy. Right. Right. Uh, I did kind of skip over that part. My bad. No, so, you're you're good. You're good. Um, the guy bought the house, and you know, all these times, these people who are bigger, they have like they they're able to reach that cash like there. Or they have mm-hmm. they, they have like HELOC set up. They have their own private lenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes another house just sold, so they have you know they're they're liquid. They're more capital. Um, and he was and able to like, buy. go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, and, and like you did all this like while you're working in the yeah. afternoons, like you're working during the daytime, and then yeah. you did what ten hours that day. You go drive back like Waynesboro to Augusta. That's like a forty-five minute to an hour drive with yeah. or without traffic. Yeah. And then you go, you meet up, you're talking on the phone like whenever you can, and you just like set that up from Thursday one week all the yeah. way to the following Friday. You have a five thousand dollar check in your account. Yeah. From your first wholesaling deal. Yeah. That's awesome, I mean, man. work on the phone maybe like a ten quick 10, 15 minutes. I talk to him, set it up, boom. I get off work. Like you said, we don't been work a ten hour shift. We had in the hot sun. I'll go straight to the house and mm-hmm. go meet them and everything they need. So, but that was my first time. Like, okay, this this is this is this is real. Like, mm-hmm. this. And I met the lady who originally had the house. I met her through Craigslist. I was just searching. Mm-hmm. I was searching Craigslist. I was searching everything, trying to get yeah. the country people um, about these houses. And I ended up talking to her, and the conversation led to she has a house that she just can't get it sold, but it's it's in a great area, and mm-hmm. it shouldn't take that long. Um, and that was that was the first time I did a wholesale deal. That was my first ever like real estate deal. Nice. Um, and when when was that? That was two thousand. That was around summer. That was around like June of two thousand sixteen. Okay, so about three years ago. Yeah, about three years ago. So then, since then, how many of you? How many more have you been able to do? So since then, I've actually wholesale five more properties. Um, oh, nice. Then I started. Uh, this is where my credit came into play. So like one day I was sitting, I was sitting there, I was at work and I was just randomly like, I called uh, the bank, mm-hmm. like y'all do investment loans? He was like, yeah. And usually um, investment loan is like 20 to 25% down. Mm-hmm. Bank I worked with, it was like, you do 15% down. I was like, what? And before they had, um, before I had called them about investment loans, they said they didn't have them. Mm-hmm. Just one day I called and I was like, I was talking, talking, and he was like, yeah, we do investment loans now. Yeah. Like, do you want to try to get one? I was like, sure, why not? So I was like, yeah, and uh, they ran my credit, and at this point, my credit is good. Yeah. So they was like, well, you've been approved. They approved me for like 200000 mm-hmm. Like I just threw a random number out there. Yeah. And approved it. So the, the good thing with that is, like, they had a, they had like a realtor network set up. So I didn't even have to find a realtor, right? They sent a bunch of people to me. And the then bank, uh, the bank sent people to you? Yeah. They sent, because okay. they have a, like, a, they had a rewards network. And they have whatever area you're in, they have connections with, you know, real estate groups. So they okay. sent, um, 
they sent those realtors my information and those realtors contacted me. Mm-hmm. Kind of like interviewed them. Yeah. And uh, this one guy, uh, Steve, he's like, uh, I like this vibe. And literally probably every Saturday for the next, this was in like April. Every Saturday for like the next two months, I think we were just going and looking at houses. Like all houses for sale. So, because I was like, oh man, I'm, like, I'm going to buy my first rental property. I, we walked in so many doors and I had no idea about houses really. Like I knew how to wholesale a house, mm-hmm. but I just, I never thought like about owning the house. Like mm-hmm. before I, I didn't even know what, a, like what's the difference between, or like how to tell the difference between a gas heater, electrical heater, or a gas furnace, electrical furnace. Yeah. Um, if it's on a septic tank or if it's on the city line. Mm-hmm. Or you know the roof trust and stuff like that. I knew like the structure stuff, but I didn't right. know the ins and outs of actual house. So gotcha. Steve and I would walk through, and he would point out, he'd be like, "Yeah, my house, I did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, might not want to buy this because this house is this, and this can be pretty expensive." Right. And that helped me a lot because um, it got me more comfortable. Um, so we saw one house, my first rental property. The lady was a she was a nurse and she was moving, so she had. Mm-hmm. Ended up Fixing the house up because she thought she was going to buy there. Mm-hmm. And she had another job and she moved out to Grove Town, which is um, right. north of like a, a up and coming area. Right. It's like, what is it, west of Augusta? Yeah, like northwest. Gotcha. So um, she fixed it up and it was nice. She put like new floors in it, painted it, and we came in with like a, just like a dumb lowball offer. Mm-hmm. We never heard from her because, excuse me, her realtor was terrible. So one day, probably like it's too much past, and we, we it was it's a Saturday morning. We're going to look at houses, and Steve was like, "You know what? Let's just go look at that house we offered on before." Mm-hmm. Just you like, let's just go look at it again. So we go through and walk through, and it's like we sat there, and Steve was like, "I think this is a good, this is a good property." So I was like, "Yeah." He was like, "So um, let's just make a list of what you would want fixed." Mm-hmm. It was like minor stuff, like the the AC unit looked old, so I kind of wanted that to be maintenance. Um, some light fixtures was wrong. There was a couple water spots. It was like it looked like it was a, a new roof, but mm-hmm. there were water spots in the ceiling, so they fixed it, but they didn't, you know, repaint over that. Gotcha. We made this list, like this one, this long two page list, mm-hmm. and then I came in with an offer lower than what she wanted. But I, I said I would put like a thousand towards closing costs. So she accepted it. Like a couple mm-hmm. days later, mind you, it's the same lady that we put an offer in two months ago. Yeah. So when you when you do a bank loan, you have to get an inspection on the house. Okay. Um, it's it's always good to get an inspection. Sometimes you just know it's a terrible it's a, it's a terrible house. You may not right. It. So an inspection, the guy goes through and he's. He basically, he crawls through everything. It's going to be a list, and he's basically going to try to find everything bad. Like, if there's right. issues, he's going to get up in the attic and mm-hmm. see what's rotted trust and stuff like that. So, the, the list come back, and I was like, well, tell her I want everything fixed on the inspection report. Mm-hmm. And she did it. I was like, he was like, I was like she, she did? He was like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, this is um, July. We didn't okay. close the property until, like, September because the the lady was taking so long to get stuff done. Um, the, the realtor was terrible. So it got to one point where I told Steve, I was like, man, I kind of just want to back out of this deal because, mm-hmm. like, like, sometimes I was like, I want it now. Like, I want it, I want it, I want it. Right. Just hold off because she probably did about another two to $3,000 worth of work on the house wow. after we came to agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, so finally, uh, 
it closed. Um, I got the keys, and then you know, me and my fiance go through there and kind of like clean it up. Go mop the floors, clean the bathroom. We get a, a management company to manage it, and mm-hmm. my stuff. And I paid the mortgage one time in the house, like out of my own pocket. Yeah. Um. It we we bought it in September. We had a tenant in, in uh, November. Mm-hmm. And she she's been there for three years now. Nice. Yeah. So she's paying your mortgage basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. When I, I only paid the mortgage once. Right. On that house. Mm-hmm. After that, everything she comes, she her. Her rent pays off the mortgage, and then I mm-hmm. make uh, two hundred dollars mm-hmm. on the top of that. Nice, that's awesome, man. It's it's funny because the um, when I saw you at the the um, real estate meeting that they were having last year, I, I heard about that through one of the coworkers that I work with, and he's he's one of those guys that talks about what he does. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like you kept telling me about it. And somebody else had kind of pointed me to him and say, oh, if you're interested in this, like go talk to this person. Because like I, I would approach people from time to time, kind of like quietly, like, hey, have you ever thought about like investing or like, because in engineering or in construction, like most people are blue collar or they have a way mm-hmm. that they've done things. And it's like, they do it because their parents do it. And they, you already have like set expectations. So all of a sudden, like I started doing personal development once I got in the training program coming out of college. And I just had this weird, I all of a sudden got this information that I'd never had before. And like you said, reading like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and you're like, wait, is this for real? Yeah. And I, I just wanted to know more because it's like, okay, like the world just felt like a liar. I just felt like I found the city yeah. of gold. And it's exactly. like, I need, okay, if this person is saying it and they're showing me like what they're doing, they're telling me that they went from here to here to here. I meet them in person and they they're not only like a person of their word, but they're they're about their business and they're not they publicize some things, but like in private, they still do what they talk about. Yeah. But they talk very little about what they're doing. And this like that's that's why I respect you. And even though we had small interactions, I was just like, there's something about you. You're always on like you're just about what you need to do. Yeah. You get in and you get out. And then just having this thing on the side, it's like, hey, I don't I don't need to help let the whole world know. Like I'm taking care of business and then it's gonna help my family. It's gonna help myself. And then going forward, now I have another option. So somebody might be like, Oh, you quit. Like did you like are you gonna come back when your bank like when you go broke it's like no i'm not thinking like that like i graduated from that mentality like if i'm not working it's because i choose not to work and i put systems in place to take care of that like me taking this job at srs Mm -hmm. it's actually a pay cut right Mm -hmm. from what i'm making at the site but the way i look at it is i'm betting on myself right so at that site i'll be working 14 Mm-hmm. And, and people, there's been people there who've been there for like thirty some years, and like yeah. they may work overtime every once in a while, but it's it's more it's, it's more as a better work life balance. So mm-hmm. now I have my weekends back, and I don't have I have three day weekends mm-hmm. to put towards real estate. So that right. that's me getting my time back, so I can shift it towards something else, right? So you're right, like I'm I, I'm not the overachiever at work, you know. Yeah. I I do what needs to be done. You ask me to do it, I'll do it, right. You know, I come and, in, I do my job, I leave. I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to work 14 hours every day. I'm not. Yeah, it sounds it sounds bad, but it's like there. Yeah. 
I think that there's something to be said about like the first time I heard it that you don't always want to be the one that's like overachieving because mm-hmm. sometimes depending on where you work, like there's a certain environment where you're you work around leeches and parasites. Yeah. And as soon as they see that, oh, this is the person that is working hard. They're like, okay, now we can chill because he's yeah. got it. He's going to take care of it. But then when it's like you do your part and you leave it up to them to do their part, it's like, hey, if it doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. Like you bring me in to do this. I do that. And I do it to the best of my ability. I'm not going to give you half, but I'm going to yeah. give you all I got. I'm just not oh, yeah. going to break myself because I understand that I have value in me. And like you said, I'm going to bet on me first before I yeah. go and just build you up and then kind of sit here, look at myself in the mirror and say like, oh crap, my life sucks because if I'm honest, I set myself up for failure because I didn't educate myself. Exactly. Like if the project, my immediate project manager, he's there like 14 hours a day. You know, he stays till like 10 o'clock at night. Mind you, this man is married and has like two kids. It's just like, I, I'm all for like, I'm all for doing the job I was supposed to be doing, but then it's like, you, you have a family, you know, like right. you, have, you have a life outside of here. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then when I was, Oh, I just lost you. I'm gonna give it a minute. I'm sure you'll you'll come back. Ah. You out there? Ah no. There you are. Right. We're gonna get through it. Yeah, I don't even know what happened. Maybe a, a message may have, may have come through. Are you using your phone or your computer? I'm on my laptop. Okay. Somebody's trying to be like, no, we can't. You tell yeah. them, you tell them too many secrets. He's like, stop, stop. Yeah. But um, yeah, I guess we're good now. Do you remember where where you left off? I, I think I we're talking about, talking about my project manager and um, how he worked so yeah, much. Yeah, right. He was neglecting his family, basically. Yeah, neglecting his family. Uh, and you know, it just that's just not who I want to be. You know, mm-hmm. I've learned a lot of stuff about what to do. And then learning about what I don't want to be. Right. You know, I I I no longer want to be just a company guy. Like I don't want to be that. Like I will come in and I will do my job. Don't get me wrong. I'll do what needs to be done. But like a lot of times they use the term company guy, and I don't know about you, but one phrase they used, um, and it, it, I hated it. They will always say, you know, another day in paradise. It's just like, no, <laughs> it's, not. it's not paradise. Right. I mean, they would say it every day, and it's just like, I know. To some extent, it's sarcasm, but I, yeah. to me, they say it so much that they start to believe it. Right. You know like, and it's just, I, I can never join in with that saying, because that's it's I, paradise to me. Um, so I, I feel like for some people, they kind of have this, like, trap mentality to where yeah. they don't see a way out. So it's like, you kind of have to lie to yourself in order to get through, like, yeah. the situation. So it's like, it may not be paradise because you're working like you're working over 40 hours like most people may work 40 hours or like because you've got different things going on some people are parents it's like you might not be able to work all that like you've got kids to take care of and it's like a lot of people they understand that okay like i might not be able to see my kids but i'm gonna work enough to where i can send money home and make sure that my wife can be home with the kids it's like some people have that agreement but then other people may not um like like everybody's story is different so i i can't really get into it because like i know what my motivation was for getting out of college and going to work because 
I had like a co-op internship experience over like a three-year period while I was in school. Mm. And I got a chance to see like the reality, at least within that company, like what an engineer did and what the trajectory was. And as soon as I came in, it was already like, I was fortunate enough to see a friend of mine that worked there as an engineer. And he was just like, you don't want to come here as an engineer. Like yeah. you're, you're cap, like this is what you're going to make. And that's where you're going to stay. Yeah. No and it's, yeah. And it's like, okay, I was working as a technician where I was making what $11 an hour. And I was excited for that because this was the first time I was making money doing an actual job. Like the first job I ever had was landscaping. And I think I was just like working with a family friend and maybe I might get like 20 bucks at the end of the week. And I got excited. I was like, oh man, I got money. I, I did something. Yeah. All the while I'm like working like a full 40 hour week. And it's not to throw anybody under the bus, but until a friend of mine brought it to my attention and said, hey, like you're working out here. It's good that you're getting out of the house and like you're doing something, you're learning to use your hands, but you need to be smarter about this. All your friends that you go to school with, they're working inside where it's air conditioned. They're working an hourly job. They're getting paid an hourly wage. You need to ask for an hourly wage. Otherwise, if you keep letting yourself getting taken advantage of, nobody's going to come to your rescue. And he was the other thing that he told me was that I'm here because I have to be here. I don't have any other options. Like I came to this country um, older and I don't have like a degree or something where I can go and do this. Like I'm even regardless with that, he's like, okay, I'm doing this to get me started to get some money, like money I can send back home. And then later on, he was able to pivot and get a factory job or get more or less a trade job that paid better. And since then, like he maybe did the landscaping for like two years just to like mm -hmm. get on his feet. And then from there he pivoted. And with him giving me that information to say like, this isn't an end all be all, you gotta get out of here. Like I went from not really making, like maybe making $20 a week to making $6 at a coffee shop, which was, I think this is back in like 2006. And then I was excited because I'm like, hey, now I'm making an hourly wage. And then I would get tips and I saved up my tips from the time that I worked to where I was able to use that to pay um, for my laundry at college my freshman year. And I was like, hey, that's big. Like, as yeah. far as I as far as I saw it, I was like, when it came to going to college, like nobody was gonna pay for my school. Like I saw my siblings do it before me. Like everybody had to pay their own way. There wasn't any kind of like, hey, here's the plan for you. It's like, no, like you gotta figure it out. But the expectation is you will go to college and you will get a job because right. staying here isn't gonna help you. Like most people that stay in a small town, it's like their dreams kind of die there unless they have family business or kind of knowledge to know I'm going to do this because my parents did this or I have a dream or an idea for myself. So it's like, I didn't even think to ask for more money until um, I started finding out what other people were making. And like a friend of mine was like, oh yeah, well, I just got hired on. Like I, I probably worked for a year making $6 going into year two. And they're like, new people are coming in because we took a coffee shop and made it into a restaurant. And everybody was coming in at $8. And I was having to train them how to do the work, like how to make drinks and things like that. You need to memorize this, know how to study the menu, know how to use the register. And I was just trying to be nice. I cut out. Um, hopefully that worked. That's like the third time it popped up. Gotcha. Oh, okay. So I was just trying to get you to upgrade the system. I think so. Cool. Yeah, I, I was think trying that... to hold off until we finish, but gotcha. Hopefully it worked. So basically, I, I was just saying it. It <clears throat> just took me a while to get over um, knowing my value and knowing yeah. that 
I've got the right to ask for money. And then when I finally asked my boss, he was initially, he was like, ah, I don't know if I can do that because things are kind of tight right now with all the people they're just bringing in. And I think it got to a point where like the launching of the restaurant was kind of like a misfire. So they had to cut back. And then he was like, well, how, how much money are you making anyways? And I was like, $6. He's like, what? Because he was the boss, but he had like a manager that was supposed to be over us. And um, once he found that out, he was just like, okay, well, at least I can give you a dollar. But then he ended up giving me two. Mm. So I was like, oh, wow. Like I asked and I I got it. Like I, I wasn't trying to be bashful or anything. It's just like, hey, if you're not making what you should be making ask so then fast forward jump into college i'm making eleven dollars i'm like hey like i'm calling now (laughs) and now it's like you're getting overtime and uh we're working on call around the southeast and basically they'll put they'll put us up in hotels we get per diem which was a big thing and that eventually helped me save up for for college to where i got to a point where I, I didn't need to take many loans and then any the loans that i started taking i was able to pay back some of them right. and, and same thing going into like the last semester like you're supposed to get like a dollar raise going up and finally when i kind of like confronted my manager about it i was like hey um i know you said i'm supposed to get a raise i, I know i need to test for this and that but it's like is that an opportunity and then initially it was like no maybe not but then i think i got it like a two dollar race finally and it's like, okay you're making 13 but of course i kind of felt bad like i was happy with it but i felt bad because other people at least other people kind of made me feel bad because they were making what 25 dollars an hour or something and they're working like across the country feet up on the desk like chilling in the air conditioning while i'm crawling inside boilers at paper mills or power plants like getting up inside tanks where it's hot Mm -hmm. and doing uh, non-destructive examinations or testing work. And I I didn't see the value in that at first because I was like, I'm doing engineering, studying civil structural, and like, I'm supposed to be doing drawings and designs. And like, it wasn't until I got on with CB&I and I got on my first construction project or even at like the fabrication site and you start walking around. I was so in tune with what was going on because of like being around guys in the field, being around other contractors like all the other engineers are just like looking green just like yeah she tell but i obviously knew what steel toe boots were like i had them i think one of the girls we were with she went out and got some like pink like light pink uh steel toe shoes so as soon as she's like walking down the uh the bays in lake charles in the fabrication shop like yeah. you definitely stand out it's like oh, okay we got fresh meat over here it's like yeah I knew they gave for him. <laughs> you're going to get hell to pay now. Yeah. But it's like just making that, that constant progression was big. And definitely, like like you said, like we were talking about having a plan for your life and really understanding, like, when you get a new bit of information, like, wow, like, maybe this doesn't have to be the life that I live. And it, yeah, I can do something different. And that's the whole reason why I started this podcast, because, like, I've been around people, I've surrounded myself intentionally as a way to kind of like survive out there on the construction project around people that are entrepreneurial minded. And um, like I ran into Eric Thomas, he's the ET, the hip hop. So it's like, I found him my senior year when I was getting ready to graduate um, college. And I started watching some of his videos because one of the other guys I was working with was telling me like, man, this job is rough. Like they're treating us like garbage out here. We're, we're engineers going to one of the top engineering schools in the country and in, in the world for that fact. But it's like, we're out here working like temp workers. And it's like, we're doing it because we're not bashful, but he, he, he's the first person that introduced me to motivation, motivational videos. 
Yeah. I think his his video came up like when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe. And I was like, yeah, that's the first one I heard when right. doing the beach. Yeah, that's the first yeah. one I heard of him. So it's like it's funny because I, a lot of people that I've met, they kind of ran into him. They've seen that video and then they've seen it like in 2013, right around that time. And I think that's when they they um, that's when they launched this um, mastermind group, essentially is what I would call it, called Breathe University. Mm-hmm. And I ended up joining that group t- three years later after I finally went to one of his live events. And I was like, oh, okay, like this guy's for real. And like the ET, the hip hop preacher, that's not just a tagline. Like the guy is first and foremost a preacher. And the motivation thing just came like secondary. And so, yeah. like, hearing his story, seeing him like actually walk and operate. And I was like, okay, like you're, you're the real deal. And when we go back to talking about having, um, like being able to see your people or someone that looks like you, yeah. and not only someone that looks like you, but someone that's doing well, like yeah. that just encourages you and empowers you. It's not to say anything against any other race, culture, or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. just like everybody likes to have someone that looks like them to where they can be like, okay, like if that person can do, can do it, I can do it too. I can and, relate yeah. to them. Like they, they may know, you know, some of my struggles or what we've been through. Uh, right. You know, we have... A lot of the same tendencies mm. and all that being said that person is doing good too so it's like yeah why why can't i do it? you know right. what, what what's gonna stop me if they can do it um i agree that um i started listening to him probably a couple years ago uh okay. i started doing this thing where like um along the way to work we had like a 40 minute ride to work so yeah in the mornings i would listen to like inspirational stuff so it'd be like it'd be like et um hold on let me look at this i can't think of the names i'll talk uh, if you haven't, you should listen to some of these dudes. Okay. Um, I was gonna say maybe TD Jakes or uh, CT Fletcher. Not as uh, maybe a little CT Fletcher. I haven't listened to as much TD Jakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't. Let me look at my playlist. Those, I guess those are some of the names I've I've kind of come across in the yeah, um, I've seen them. running coming across like the motivational stuff where people do like the compilation videos and they'll take things that yeah, yeah. that either in movies or something like that. So I listen to there's a dude named Jim Rohn. Have you ever I heard of him? I listen to him. Jim Rohn and Les Brown. Oh those, yeah, of course you got to listen to Like they have gotten me through like just they i don't know i feel like i know them personally you know they they give me mm-hmm. personal development tips um along this along this thing with real estate it's ups and downs it's not perfect it's also i'm like if you look at it for my family i'm basically i'm blazing the trail because nobody really in my family is done real estate like this right. or done it on the scale that i'm trying to do i'm trying to do like generational wealth right right, right. so a lot of times i made a bunch of dumb mistakes a, a bunch of bumps and bruises but Listening to those things, it's kind of like, all right, like you're going to have to make mistakes. You're going to, if you, if you put it like, if you were the first person doing it, like you're going to make mistakes. Right. What you're doing is when your when your kids come along, they come along, they just have an easy, they just got a path to walk through that's already paid for them. Mm. And just keep going. Because when I'm gone, I can't do anything about it. But I, long as long as you know, I have breath in me. I want to know that I've done something for my immediate next generation. Not my family first, because you have to take care right, of your family right. first. But once I get to another level, I want to go back to my community too, and then mm-hmm. teach them these things, and you know, get up to that nature. But it's it's you know, it's steps in this. Right. So, um. Yeah. Like E. E. T. Um. I like a lot. Of, I like a, the word. I like he's he's who he is. You know. Like yeah. I like. I really appreciate that. He's stick to yourself. Be yourself. He was talking about he. When he said he went to go speak at a school, and I was like, yeah, we don't allow people to wear shorts and sneakers. He was like, well, and I just won't do it. You know. Like right. that's that's just what it is. This this is who I am. Right. Right. Um. 
Les Brown is more like uh, he's he tells you about the ups and downs of mm-hmm. what he's been through. You know, he he was an orphan and he was labeled. He always says it's educable, mentally retarded. Like he always <laughs> says it. It's like, man, I understand. Like I feel it. But he says it all the time. But that's part of his story. So right, right. That's where he came from. Jim Rome. I like. I just like his wittiness. He's clever, and he, but he he speaks to you about. How basically he got to this point in life, and he said, mm-hmm. "This is what I did." Yeah, and I think, and I've told other people how to do it, and they've gotten to the same point. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, I agree. You need to find one thing about being an entrepreneur is like you're gonna take L's. Like you're gonna take probably you probably gonna take more L's than you take yeah. wins. It's just your wins are bigger than, than your, your losses. losses. You know, like you're gonna take a whole bunch of L's, but one big win just it just it just makes everything okay. And you That's go, a great you, point. You you go repeat the process. So I had to. Um, I had to realize that um, along the path, it's you 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 can get deterred and you can get frustrated and you you can yeah. get you know like on the borderline of quitting. Even though I'm not much of a quitter, but like it'll beat you down. So oh yeah, I do agree that um, I over time you realize that time is the number one commodity. Like you can't make more time. Right. Like people can people can make money, they can lose money, but you just cannot recreate time at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what I think a lot of entrepreneurs, if you look at it, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to they are very good at managing their time and they put time towards what they want to. Right now, like at Vogel, we was working, like that was all my time. Right. So even like you got to a point when we started working like sixteen, seventeen, it's nice. I just wasn't I just didn't have the energy to, yeah. to go out and and be on it as I wanted to, right? So that's why I was okay with taking a pay cut because I know what I'm losing now, I'm going to triple, double it, you know, in the yeah. next year or two. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with, with everything you said. The same dudes you listen to, I listen to. And another thing I had to realize, I don't know about you, I'm a big family person, mm-hmm. but not everybody's going to realize, like, your dream, right? right? They don't see... To, on the outside looking in, people may think I'm a madman because mm-hmm. I spend a lot of money on these houses. Mm-hmm. But I know in the long term, these houses are going to pay me back. Right. And I would send people videos. I send people books. I do this, do that. And they just wouldn't buy in. So right. Right. Day, she would just, she had to talk to me. She was like, you frustrated, but not everybody's going to see your vision, right? They mm-hmm. don't, you know, they're not going to relate because you. Right. Cause she, at one point in time, I had the same mindset, like, I don't want to work for myself. Like, I don't want that responsibility. Just work for a company. They can right. t- take care of it, whatever. And I was like, yes, yeah, that's right. So now it's just I be- decided to be more of an example. So now mm-hmm. I'm noticing um, that's why I started to do, like, I'm not a big, like, I have social media, but I'm not a big, like, put the camera on me person, right? right so right. more and more I've started to, like, take pictures of this house. This is what yeah. we did with that. Just, and then now I'm seeing, like, questions are coming in, like, oh, well, how'd you do that? Da, da, da. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I have to put myself out there, which is, I'm not really comfortable yeah. with that, yeah. but yeah. yeah. If I want to reach the people that I want to reach, then, you know, I have to further start getting out there. Like, yeah. Um, now my cousins are calling me like, oh, well, how'd you finance this? And what did you put this down in? Mm-hmm. Explain equity, da, da, da. So I'm just like, okay, well, I took a different approach and it's, it's slowly working. Mm-hmm. And their, their minds are turning into it and they want to buy in. Right. It's, what it, it's, it's like people have blind faith in you. Like my family, I told them I want to do something. They said, okay. Like they didn't, you know, they, they don't question it just right. because it's important. But now it's to the point where they they're trying to fully understand it. Not right. alone just with just blind support, right? Like you have brothers and sisters. I'm pretty sure like they tell you to do something, you just gonna support them. Just all right, that's yeah, that's yeah. my sister. I may come, but have you bought in fully? Like are you fully invested into this? In the beginning they were not, but now I can see a difference. Yeah. And yeah. I think if if I can speak to that, I, I think 
I, I started doing a lot of the same thing, kind of like I, I got this book on boundaries and I think I shared it with um, people. It's really talking about having personal boundaries on different levels. And it talks about it from like a spiritual perspective where it highlights the misconceptions that um, quote unquote Christians have as to why boundaries are a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But it's talking about like, if you don't have personal boundaries, you're really doing a disservice to yourself and the people in your life. So it's like as powerful as that book was, or like a rich dad, poor dad, like initially I, I rushed out, like I, I would bend over backwards to try and give somebody the information like it was given to me. But what I had to realize was that, and it was told to me, similar to how um, your friend told you that, um, really you have to focus on yourself, build it. Like you basically build your vision and people will start to flock to it because until they're able to see something evident, yeah. and they're like, okay, like I know this person, or they think they know, like they know the old you, and they're like, okay, I know this person. I would have never thought that they would have done this, but this is somebody that I know that's doing it. Like, how are they doing it? And now they come to you, like they might come with you to you with a question, or they might come to you with like, a bill per se. And like the difference, I think something that's happened to me recently, it's like, it's a powerful thing where like people know they can count on you. Like if they have a burden and they're like, oh, can you help me with this? And it's like, yeah, I got it. And then they're kind of questioning in their mind, like, how do you have this if you're not working or if you're not this? Because I was like, how do you, and I think I said it maybe to my mom, I'm like, how do you think I'm able to pay for something if I'm not working? I did exactly what you taught me to do. Take your money, save it, take this, put it to the side. It's like, you don't, you're not just going to blow through everything that you make. And it's like going from making basically nothing to making an engineering salary and more. It's right. like, that's like having more money than you've ever had before like you can do silly things with it but thankfully having guidance from like parents siblings and other people it's like okay i may not be 100 percent versed on how to invest my money or real estate but i at least know that if i'm making say sixty thousand to a hundred thousand or something like that if i was able to live on like 20 before i can still live on that yeah and at least i'm a person to where i don't need the extra stuff so then if i know that hey i'm gonna live on this amount because i know that where i come from nobody has it and yeah. if everybody else that's come before me still doesn't have it the only way that we're gonna have to like we're gonna break the cycle is that somebody's gotta start yeah. and then okay maybe i can't reach them there but let me stockpile okay now i can figure out link up with herman figure out something to real estate now maybe learn how to make ten dollars learn how to make a hundred dollars and make it consistently right and once they see it that's the whole reason for me making this podcast because it's like to be honest i'm mad and comfortable like being on camera or whatnot the first time i recorded myself to practice for a toastmasters thing i was like I, I can't stand to look at myself like i can't stand to hear myself but like just being in this mastermind group and they push you again and again and again they say you have to create something like you have to start where you are with what you have like you see this whiteboard back here i hung it up it's crooked but the only person the only reason it's there is to kind of like catch the light to where mm -hmm. like i have lighting in here i'm in a basement room there's this light over here it's just like a lamp light i try to get like a selfie ring light or whatnot but i was like it didn't work out and i returned it and i was in my mind i was just like i'm, I'm investing in myself with my savings and it's gonna have a long-term effect but let me not go crazy and just get all these gadgets it's like right. it's just the laptop here the zoom call and hey i put one up on tuesday that i recorded back in the middle of august 
like I got a little bit discouraged, but I jumped back on the horse. And I think this is maybe like the eighth recording that I've done. So I'm going to put them out regularly, figuring out how to edit it. I went ahead and got the domain name, like figuring out where to post it. It didn't work initially. I just put it out on YouTube on like a channel that I had try to I'll figure out the name and stuff like that later. But it's like, right down the rabbit hole but you start popping up and just be like okay i've got to deliver on this i've got to deliver on that that way it's even even if i send this to a sibling of mine i don't even have to say anything i just send them the first video and that's it i'm going to keep doing this and i'll do this i hope that within two years i have an idea of whether or not there's going to be a format if not I'm cool with this because I got to know more about you within an hour time frame than I knew before. And I didn't have to like twist your arm or anything like that. You did it because like you wanted to. Yeah. And like I, I appreciate that and I respect that from you. And it's like I definitely want to stay in contact and just be like, okay, that's like from working at the project site, there's many people that I met and it's like, I met you, we didn't interact a lot, but just the way you carried yourself, I was like, I have to reach out to Herman and I need to have him here and really see how he thinks, like how he carries himself and what he's about. And I'm like, yes, that's that's someone I want to rock with. Yeah, like I'm a, I'm a cool dude. Um, I'm 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 big on helping. Like if somebody wants to help themselves or like soon like as soon as you tell me about a podcast, I was like, that's cool. Like I don't, I ain't got no issues with it. Uh, I'll do it. Same thing you said. Like I'm not, I'm not a big on camera person, but one of my goals now is I'm, I'm trying to force myself to take more like pictures and stuff. Cause one, I want to see progression. Um, cause this year I, I, I've lost 45 pounds since May. Oh man, congrats! You know, but I, I haven't taken pictures of it, so I, right. I can't see it. My fiance can see it. Mm. Um, but also like later on, like I want to see where I'm at mm. a year from now as far as progression with the, the real estate. And another thing is when I have kids, like I want my kids to be able to see what their parents were like, you know, mm. at, at this type of age. You know, I think that's pretty cool. Um, this kind of random. Yeah. I keep a, I have a notes like uh, on my phone. Right. So mm. I keep a bunch of just random notes. Uh, um, I keep a quotes. I like to live by quotes. And yeah. Whenever I hear something, I'm like, all right, I got to write that down. So one of them, it relates, and it relates to, you know, whatever's going on in life. So when I was, when we were talking about people not being able to see your vision, one of the quotes is, it says, talent is when you hit a target nobody can hit. Genius is when you hit a target nobody can see, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you can see your vision. Like, you can see where you want this podcast at. Yeah. Where you want it to be. Nobody else can see it. Right. Right? So are you crazy or are you a genius? <laughs> what you doing? I like both. Yeah. So, and then another one, my favorite one is uh, Les Brown. He's talk, he talks about being either you're involved or you committed, right? Because some people, they're just involved, right? Like, right. right. Like you're, you, know, you say you send this to your sister, she may watch a little bit of it just because she's involved. Mm-hmm. Commitment to me is I send you something and you give me feedback. You right. go through it and you say, I didn't like this. I didn't like this. Try right. this. So his quote was, he said, next time you have bacon, bacon and eggs, you think about it. The chicken was just involved. The bacon was committed. <laughs> you feel me? Like the bacon <laughs> gave his life for it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, are you involved or are you committed? And 
the more you do it, I think you will bring more commitment mm. and just involvement, right? Because you're 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 you just at the base level now, right? You haven't really built it to where you want it to be. It's kind of like ET. Right. ET. His first, if you look at his first videos to like the editing now, it's just like two completely different worlds. Right. Right. Um. So. And I mean the the not not to cut you off, but the big thing with that and just being able to kind of follow him over the past few years is like he'll tell you that he's really taken the time to understand his gift and his talent and getting the people around him that are able to help him where he's not strong or not as strong and one thing he'll tell you he always highlights the people that he he rocks with because he's been speaking maybe since like his first time he, he got a chance to speak was maybe when he was 16 or like 16 or 15 and there was like I guess you could call it like open mic or something at, at a church service and people were allowed to like give a word and right. he's always been able to speak. And what he found with the guys that he rocks with are like the big three, as you'd call them. You don't see them much because they're in the background, but you, he's got somebody that he's allowed to direct him and his name's CJ. Like he's the guy he's that runs, yeah, yeah, he runs the podcast and he's the one that really coached him to be able to say, okay, you know how to speak, but let me direct you. Like when you're talking, throw a joke in there to where you connect with the audience and then like whenever like before he didn't even do voiceovers but since he's been running like what since he's been working with his guys i think probably more like eight ten years now they've committed to the idea that he put forth and he just kept doing what he was doing and when you had cj come alongside him you had another guy carl that came alongside him he's in a very supportive role and what carl was able to do was capture what et's doing so it's like you you see him speaking but you don't see the person that's on the other side of that camera so somebody's got to cut the camera on and make sure that he's mic'd up because the video that blew up the secret to success like that was one of the first times that they had him mic'd up to where you could actually hear what he was saying and you could hear it clearly and they were able to take that and they just dropped it on youtube as soon as they decided to walk away from a um a, a good paying job at michigan state as advisors yeah like benefits the whole nine but they left that and they bet on themselves saying like we're gonna do this a lot of people weren't happy with it but they trusted them enough to say okay you guys are doing that you guys are doing that and he'll tell you definitely that his wife was very committed and she's still very committed to his life and his success because all the while while he was trying to do his speaking she was the one working and making sure that they had the roof over their head they were fed and things like that so at no point in time does he disrespect or allow people to disrespect her to be like oh okay like she like she's not making what i'm making it's like when i wasn't making when i was making zero like she kept us like afloat so it's like for all the time and effort that you invested in me i'm gonna make sure that i give you a return on your investment right that's the biggest that's the biggest thing that I've learned and really looking at it for myself like I went from being like being a, an admirer of ET to where I'm like okay like I respect you now and I don't just like look at you kind of like from a cheerleader's perspective but like I respect you as a man as a human being and seeing that okay now I'm understanding your message and I'm not just quick to say okay let me listen to what you you did but you've already encouraged me enough to where I need to create something and everybody else that you've been able to bring on like they got a social media group that's saying okay we just had a call yesterday and they talked about why people don't know you like you're either not consistent like people either don't know you they don't like you or um, I'd have to go back and look at it but 
the main reason people don't rock with us is because they really don't know who we are. Like if mm -hmm. they don't know what you do and you haven't been doing it for a while, you can't just expect to start something and be like, oh, it, it didn't work out. It's like yeah. you got to put in the work. And I mean, sometimes you got to start with a stable job to be able to establish a uh, like a base, a foundation. Like you got to be able to pay off debt. You got to be able to get out of the hole with the credit score. You got to be able to like start here. And then once you get, you go from there and you get the information, you're like, oh, okay, this, this isn't all that there is. Like there's now, now it's on me to like take control of my life. Like I did what I needed to do. I handled business in college. I handled business on the work side. Like I want to establish my family. And now that I'm doing my thing, like, okay, now my family can come with me because I built, I built something mm -hmm. that's stable. Like I built a house where people can come in and they can be comfortable and say like, oh yeah, like. Where are you going? I'm going over to, to Mr. Williams. I'm going over to Herman's because he's got he's got a house over here. He's got a property over there. It's like, oh, okay, like some people may just some people are just gonna show up for the party, but other people are gonna be like, How is he able to pay for that house? Like yeah. is that the same Herman that like I grew up with and he was here and like okay, and he wasn't like a people person yeah. and he's on the gram and he's on Facebook and he's on Twitter. Like some people will just like, they won't see it, but the people that want to see it and the people that have like, whatever the word is, like the people that are kind of awoken to it, they'll find the information. Yeah. Like when the information, when they're ready to receive it, like the information and the opportunities will present themselves. I agree 100%. Yeah. You want to wrap it up there? <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you killed it. I got one question. What's, what's the name of the podcast? It's my time podcast. My time, okay. And it, it's funny because um, I reached out in the uh, the Facebook group and somebody had suggested because like I had I've had the tendency of having a monotone voice and they're like, have you ever thought about getting a voice coach? And I was like, no, but that's that's a good idea. So. We have this Facebook group through uh, Brief University, and basically you have thousands of people around the world that are just obsessed with learning, they're creating. You have entrepreneurs, lawyers, engineers, doctors, um, videographers, like anything under the sun, I'm sure somebody does it. So I just put in like BU help in the group and I said, hey, um, looking for help with um, monotone, um, getting away from monotone speaking, um, can you help me looking for a voice coach? And the first person that responded to it, and I think the only person, he was like, I'm a rapper. I'm not a voice coach, but I think I may be able to help you. So we exchanged numbers. Yeah. He's over in the West Coast. He's in California. And um, so that's three hours difference from us. We set up a time to talk. He called me and I was like kind of going through it at the time, a little bit down on myself. And he's like, you know what? Like, I need you to say this right now. It's my time. And he's like, say that. And I was like, I said it. And then he had me like repeat it three times. And I was like, it's my time. And like that, he's like, did you feel that? Like, he's like, you you produce that. So he's like, use that and you'll grow from there. Like, and I, like I talked with him before and I'll, I'll have to have him on again to kind of like elaborate because that, that was one of my very first ones where it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> But I just want to talk with you because you already helped me get started. And I just want to know more about your story. And I, I got to know a little bit about him. And just to do justice to him, like, I'll definitely have to record another session and just be like, hey, okay, I got I got a little bit of the kinks worked out. I've got about 10 under my belt. So I'm cooking now. And uh, let me let me do the justice to actually uh, present you in a better light. Yeah. So at first I was going to call it the Chewbacca podcast because that's the nickname that I used on Instagram. And that's 
that's what people called me because they couldn't pronounce my last name. Right. But then I ran it by a few people and they were like, nah. And then I was just walking one morning and I was like, what about it? What if I just use that? Because like that, that's kind of what got me in the mindset of saying like, okay, use that, practice speaking, go online, research vocal exercises for people that even sing. And just just do something different that you've never done before. Do it consistently, and you're gonna get something out of it. Either it's like, okay, that didn't work, but I like, I like that. I like that a lot. Listen, and then once I said, hey, what what about this one? And immediately the uh, guys on the prayer line that I was with, they were like, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds good. It's like, did you grab the domain name? And I was like, no. They're like, go ahead and do that. And at first I just put, it's my time. And I was like, oh, that one's taken. And then somebody's like, why don't you put podcast on there? And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, it's available. So I jumped on GoDaddy, purchased it, maybe like $12 or something go ahead and get it for the year and then after that i was trying to figure out how to do the website but i was like okay leave that alone go record something come back later um recorded something with a friend of mine he's a barber out out of savannah georgia we met last year in um at the second um prayer line retreat um that one of the guys had set up and we just kind of everybody like basically what this prayer line is is it's like we call it a spiritual barbershop and it's like majority brothers on the line that are about just that are just about, I guess, elevating themselves. So they'll talk like they'll have prayer, but at the same time, they'll be able to just have conversation about what they're up to, um, what's going on in the world. And they'll just flow. So we'll have we'll have jokes and things like that. And one of the guys now, he's like, every time I get on, I was like, hey, good morning, guys. He'll he'll do like the Chewbacca cry. And he's like, it's, it's the light skin call. <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> I'm not light skin, but I receive it. But he's light skin, and I think I'm gonna talk to him next week. He's uh, PJ, and I was like, I receive it. So hey, we're all here for the jokes. We're all here for growth, and just like yeah. we're out here. Yeah, that's yeah. good, man. Glad I can support. Uh, yes, sir. You want people to find you online or anything like that? Uh, yeah. I guess you could put my my IG on now. It's um. What is it? It's sneaker soul. Sneaker soul. Can you spell yeah. it? S N E A K E R S O L E. Okay. And I uh I haven't put much real estate, but I I do have a like a complete renovation. Like it's gonna be my first big one. Okay. And I plan on filming that and going through the processes or whatever headaches may come, whatever victories, whatever you know gotcha. defeats make that. So yeah, you can follow me on IG, um, and I plan on trying to get myself out there more. I'm actually glad I did this. Yeah, I'm a very like I'm, I'm a very personal person. Like I'm very uh, off off the camera, offline. Like I'm, you know, you are. It's just uh, I was just never big on you know like cameras and stuff and pictures. But mm-hmm. um, you stepping out of your comfort zone, so I guess I had to step out of mine too. Um, you can you still got my information. Uh, I send me not only this one, but send me the other videos you do. Um, yeah, I will. We can stay in touch. Any questions you have about real estate, you know, you have my number. Mm-hmm. We can call. Um, you are still in the Augusta area, are you? No, I I moved back um, to be with my parents for a little bit in the North Georgia area, and I think with the work opportunities I'm looking at, if I can move back, if the SRS one comes up, I might, I might actually consider that one. And um, otherwise I'd like to be in Atlanta just to be able to move around. And I think it would be great for real estate because my thought was, um, I'll probably talk with you more about it offline, but my main thing was that if I can find a property similar to one where I stayed in at campus, where you have, it's near a campus and you have like reoccurring current tenants, then it'll make it easy for you to where 
it won't be hard to find. And then if I need to move away, if it's close to family, I can have somebody check in on it. But I definitely want to get to a level where I have somebody managing it. And then as things start to become automated, I'm not trying to carry a load. It's like, I think the position you and I are in, and there are many people like this out there that you you have the capacity to do many things well, but it's not always to your best interest. And you do better having a team and having people to work with where if something comes up, you can do it. Like there are things that you have to do, but there's some things that you can give away. And when you give those things away, it frees you up. Like you were saying, free up your time to yeah. where now you're doing and you're, you're putting time everywhere else and i think that's how like billionaires and millionaires they're able to function because with everything they've got going on they understand okay i'm gonna pay somebody a hundred thousand dollars because i understand that me paying them a hundred can gross me five million exactly like, i have more time to put yeah. toward and trying to get in that mindset it's like okay like i'm gonna do this but at some point in time i've got to let it go so if it goes from releasing it once a week to multiple times a week, then I'll find a way. Like just getting started has made things much easier. And um, just being consistent recording every week has made me more comfortable. I'll, I'll send you a link to the uh, the first one. Yeah. It seems good because I'm not talking a lot, but the next one is a little bit rough. But then like the fourth or fifth one, it's, it's kind of like, what do you say? Like the stock market, <laughs> like yeah. up and down, but eventually the trajectory will take off and uh, we just keep at it. That's good, man. Yeah. Um, I foresee a lot of, you know, growth and prosperity for the both of us. So uh, glad you had me. Anything you need, uh, let me know if you're ever in the area and you want to, if I have some properties open, you, you know, you want to come and see what we're doing. For sure. Just let me know. I will. Always a pleasure, Herman. Likewise, man. Take care. All right. 